Hey, we're back with another episode of Tropical Talk Radio. Today, we're going to share with you our mindset manifesto. Let's play the tunes. Yeah, buddy, you've downloaded Tropical Talk Radio, where we talk about all things entrepreneurship, travel, and lifestyle. If you're interested in more about this program, check out tropicalmba.com. And if you sign up for our mailing list, I will personally send you 50 free podcast episodes that take you along on our journey and expose the insider story on how we started a million-dollar, honest-to-goodness product business while we traveled the globe. Hey guys, I'm here in Puerto Galera, Philippines. If, you, if you're a follower of the Tropical NBA, you probably noticed that I've been a pretty lazy blogger lately. That's because I'm focused on helping the startups at the inaugural Tropical NBA. I'm having so much fun. I want to make this thing a success. So I haven't been able to spend a ton of time blogging. I'm building out the DNA of that program, developing seminars for the students, helping them directly one-on-one with their startups. And so I haven't had too much time, but it's sort of interesting. One of the things that, uh, you know, obviously uh, the the folks that came here are big fans of the blog and the number one piece of feedback they had from me is, where'd Tropical Talk Radio go, Dan? That was so cool to hear you drop the F-bomb occasionally. So uh, that was pretty flattering. And so today I decided to put out an episode of Tropical Talk Radio, but share with you some excerpts of a seminar I gave yesterday on mindset. And I'm going to call this my mindset manifesto some of the best lessons that I've learned over running a business over the last five years. I really do believe that developing a winning mindset is probably the most sustainable strategy to success because you might know AdWords, you might know SEO, you might be a great blogger, but at the end of the day, you're going to have to have a success mindset that can help you to make the right kinds of decisions day in, day out, every single day to sustain the difficulties that you're going to face starting a business. One announcement before we get into that clip. I'm loving the Tropical MBA so much, and I believe the students are getting so much value out of what's happening here. We're going to run another one October 1st, 2012. So if you'd like to join us to take your own very own Tropical MBA here in the Philippines with Ian, myself, and my staff, absolutely been an amazing experience. We're going to explain precisely what's going on and how you can get involved at tropicalmba.com slash TMBA. All right, let's get started. So we're going to talk about some mindsets that can uh, lead to entrepreneurial survival. If you can survive for three or four years, building up, owning your own time, building up assets, you can do it for the rest of your life. Mindset's really the most important thing I could leave you guys with, is how important it is to come together and be together, how important it is uh, to develop relationships with people, how important it is to continue to do this kind of thing in the future. Uh, That's what's going to make it happen, not optimize your AdWords account, although that that would be nice as well. (laughs) This is the best time it's ever been to start a business in the history of humanity. That's 100% true statement. For businesses in our generation, capital is really no longer a constraint. Entrepreneurship isn't something that's reserved for the wealthy. Ian and I talk about it all the time. We are constrained right now by our imaginations. All kinds of bullshit on Kickstarter.com getting $100,000 worth of funding. It's about an idea. If you have an idea, you can get it done. 95% 95% of failures are not because of market conditions, they are because of entrepreneurs who can't get over themselves for one reason or another. They can't find a reason to be motivated enough to stick it out, they'd rather do something else. That's a mindset issue, that's not a market issue. The market has never been better in the history of all time. Look at Ian and I, any joke blow can set up a website and make money. First talk about the true cost of paying attention, and we do mean paying attention. 
This is even more important than your time. Protecting your time, everybody talks about that. Protecting your attention is even more important. And the biggest lesson here is that you're responsible for your attention. When you dispatch attention to your girlfriend or your mom or your friend who's bugging you or the customer who's bugging you or anything, that's your decision always. And there's always an opportunity cost to giving someone your attention. So I've been ruthless in a lot of ways with attention, but one of the things that I do, and I get some flack for this, but I often will delete emails that have asked for my attention. So the assumption is that it requires my attention. Have you ever done this with your email account? You go away from it for three days and then you come back and you can delete everything that's there? Always think about that every single time you're responding to an email. If I can't find somebody else in my team, company, or audience, or friendship circle, or family to send that email to so they can take care of it, I will just delete it and act like it never happened. Because that 15 minutes of thought energy that I would have spent on fulfilling that person's request is something that I can do to put after something that I'm passionate about. 15 minutes of productivity on something like Tropical MBA to me is, is something magic. Something that can move my life forward in the way that I want it to. And that can't be defined by somebody else or else somebody else would be doing Tropical MBA. If you don't like define rules, there's just like rule, arbitrary rules in place anyway. It's like the natural momentum of the universe is just there. So if your kids are going like to run into your, your office or whatever, they're just going to do that. Like that's their natural... You know, so you got to like at least at one point spend a little bit of sugar on that and decide what's going to happen. It's a lot easier to be ambitious about five-year goals than it is about five-week goals. So let yourself go a little bit crazy with it, whatever that five-year vision of yourself is. You don't even have to tell anybody, but every micro-decision, every decision you make about, am I going to go to the restaurant with this person? Am I going to spend my time on this website? You can have that ideal self in your, in your mind. That's why I love the dreamlining worksheets. We might someday tell the story of the first dreamline that we ever did, but like when I wrote my first dreamline, so it was like elements like I need to have a smartphone, this was like 2007 or 2008, you need to have a laptop, and have a laptop time, it's like, well, if you're going to travel while you work, you're going to have to get one of those newfangled laptops, and I had this list of things that seemed totally unachievable, and I gave myself a year, and it took eight months, so I really didn't believe I could achieve, I was like, this is a cool thing to do anyways, and it, it manifested itself. What is our runway? This is my favorite one of all time. What's my cash balance in my bank account divided by my monthly living expenses? I'm an entrepreneur. I want to own my time primarily. I don't want to own a house. I don't want to own a car. I want time to build awesome stuff, meet awesome people. To me, that's cash divided by. That's my freedom quotient. I can stay in Asia right now for the next however long. That to me is the most money statistic in my entire life. I don't care about anything else except how much time I have to do, continue to do cool things that I believe in. Because the worst thing in the world would be to have to go home and get a job. Yeah. Well, no. It would be death, dismemberment, or destitution. <laughs> <laughs> Finding your five hours is a heuristic that was very important to me in my life. Because for the longest time, I wanted to be a rock star. Like, really. That's what I was trying to do. And it turns out that in order to be a rock star, if you can't sing well, you have to write great songs. And... I loved all of the outcomes of songwriting. The travel, the meeting new people, the creative element. It just looked like money to me. But I couldn't do the five hours at least of work every day required to, to create the assets, required to be a valuable songwriter, someone that people even gave a shit about. And what this means to me is, if you want to have any chance of succeeding, you need to work, do focus work for five hours a day. That's it. If you can't do that, I will bet against you. And if you can't find it right now, that's fine. 
because it might take months, and it always changes too. Like Dan doing an awesome thing where he's making a decision to find a new five hours. And once you build up assets, you don't necessarily have to spend five hours. Like Ian, he hardly works five minutes a day. <laughs> but this to me is a, is a great heuristic. If you're not going to enjoy spending five hours working on whatever it is you think you're going to be doing, and also realize that work can manifest itself in weird ways. Like my guess is Matt spends five hours a day freaking hustling on the phone. That's work. You can spend five hours a day consulting with high-end clients. Like Tim does. That's work. For me, that might be writing blog posts. That's work. For you, it might be practicing the guitar. If you practice the guitar for five hours a day for two years, you're going to freaking get a good paying gig in it. Like, you'll make an entrepreneurial career out of being a guitarist. If you can't find your five hours, I think that should be a top priority. Because everybody that I meet that is a successful entrepreneur is good at working. Here's one. People must believe in you. A lot of people like to be laptop jockeys because they think they can hide behind the laptop, put up a couple PPC campaigns, call it a day. You want to run a business, people are going to have to believe in you. And that starts with believing in yourself. That's why we're doubling down on these slide presentations. You've got to know why you're doing it. It doesn't have to be like, I'm awesome, right? It's a lot easier when your idea is awesome. When this is worth doing in and of itself. This is meaningful to some people somewhere. That's how you can get confidence is by creating a great slideshow presentation, whatever it is, and believing in that. So you don't have to worry about, oh, you know, whatever your confidence level might be about yourself, that's going to be irrelevant. It doesn't need to be that complex, but like, you know, you can call them with your VA, like, they need to believe in you. You have to be doing something worth believing in. You can't be half-assed. That's one of the things, like, when I was younger, I used to be like a clever, sarcastic asshole. And like, that, that's like, there's no place in entrepreneurship. Like, I'm the most earnest guy ever now. When I go home, I get into like, all these awkward conversations because I'm just super earnest. Like, and I really think what I'm doing is important, and people are like rolling their eyes like, who the fuck is this guy? He thinks what he's doing is important. Part of being an entrepreneur is just be willing to be a little bit stupid. Like, a lot of what we do is, is pretty small. Like, we help people get better cat furniture. That's it. That's fine. We believe in that. We can get people behind that idea. Once I'm smarter, I might do something better, but now it's cat furniture. We were talking a lot about this concept of hunger. It might be the single most important thing when it comes to mindset. Because what you're trying to do is a lot harder than the alternatives. So how do you develop hunger if you lack it? I don't have the answer to this. How can you put your back up against the wall when there's no real wall? How can you create a dichotomy between two actions when there's no real dichotomy? What, what's happening, uh, we've seen a lot of times with the interns that come out, is they don't, really, they don't really make the tough decisions. They don't make the cold call. They don't try to cut the deal. They don't extend themselves. Because what's the alternative? Well, you know, I hang out a little bit longer, have an internship a little bit longer. You know, come see, come saw. They don't see that as dichotomous with not making it happen. So I don't know how to hack that. But if you're not making the cold calls, if you're not extending yourself, if you're not being someone to believe in, it's not going to happen. Not everybody can do it. I did the same thing. I listened to Internet Business Mastery one too many times. I was like, fuck it, I can do what those guys can do. So I walked into my boss's office when I had $20,000 in consumer debt, zero money in the bank, and I said, it's been real. And he said, what do you mean? He said, I said, I'm quitting. I listened to this internet business mastery thing. <laughs> I said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go sleep on mom's couch. I didn't fucking care because that wasn't destitution to me. Unless you are reading too much singularity literature, you're probably going to die. And that's, I think that that's helped me to be a better entrepreneur. Because fuck it, I'll sleep on mom's couch. I could die. So this is a tough one. Find a way to get energy from making judgments on limited information. All the best entrepreneurs do it. They do it early, they do it often, they do it all day long. They pull together half-assed bullshit information from half-assed bullshit 
spreadsheets and they make clear decisions about how to move forward with the business. Uh, one of the things is like, I try to make uh, decisions in under two minutes in my email inbox. It's a GTD technique. Um, but it's like really helping with managing the business because I know that about 70% of the decisions I make about my business tend to be wrong. I don't know, I'm just putting that number out there. Like, I'm wrong all the time, but I'm the guy making judgments and that moves the business forward. It's like no one's stalling up on that. So I'll make, I'll make uh, judgments based on limited thought power. Like I'll sort of just engage my gut feel about it. And that's one way, because what a lot of entrepreneurs do is they'll, they'll punt. They'll say, well, uh, you know, I'm gonna make a decision about that next Friday or next time we have a meeting. Or, and like part of the, it's like the next rung on the ladder. It's like, I just gotta make this decision and then you keep going kind of thing. It's, it's not like such a definite thing. I feel like we put too much weight on these kinds of things, it's like a process. Double down on your entrepreneurial strengths. I, I don't think I had one business mentor, one advice person that knew me, that thought it was a good idea for me to be blogging, ever. In fact, I'm still regularly advised to stop working on the podcast. I'm sure you can believe it, right? This is so common, this kind of bullshit. What do they want me to do? They want me to go back and look at spreadsheets. They want me to go back and, and make the cold calls again. They want me to go back and develop more cat furniture. But it's obvious that if I, I would be a 4 out of a 10 right now being the designer for cat furniture. And I'd be an 8 out of 10 on the podcasting. And I'm passionate about that. And I want to get it to 10. I'm, I'm dedicated to that. So I'm doubling down there. So fuck these guys that think it's a good idea to do what you're supposed to do. At some point, you have to trust what your strength is and what you can uniquely do. Anybody can look at a spreadsheet about cat furniture. Not everybody can do the lifestyle business podcast, so I'm going to do it. So I think you got to look at yourself like that too. And a lot of people, employees, entrepreneurs, spend a lot of time sealing up the cracks. I got tons of cracks. I'm okay with that. I got two freaking arrowheads and I'm doubling down on them. And I think that's important for everybody just to see like what you're good at. Be honest with yourself. Stop fucking around trying to fix yourself and accentuate the parts that makes you weird and crazy and the only person who can do whatever it is that you're doing. That's why what Dan's doing is so admirable and so cool to make the decision to give up a business that's funny in his family's you know, lifestyle, make it a disastrous personal decision. <laughs> <laughs> because when you see his stuff, you know he's fucking good at what he's doing. So why mess around with stuff he's not passionate about? He's really good at building content that people trust. Double down. You know, all of us that have businesses would probably make more money in the next 12 months if we did stuff we didn't want to do. I think the, the broader question is what's going to make you more money in five years and what's going to make your life better? If you can find that flow, that's what's going to make a great business. At a certain point, I had a hard time answering the question why I was building cat furniture. Now, there's guys like Ian that are passionate about industrial design and guys like Michael who has an opportunity to work for a startup company to flex his design chops. He doesn't have a hard time answering this question anymore. So you can go to work every day and design cat furniture. I can. So I got to find things that I can answer this question with ease. I can answer the question as to why I'm doing the top of MBA pretty easily. If you can do the same in your business, it's going to be easy to come to work. It's going to be easy to tell business mentors with no idea about what you're doing to go fuck off. What you're going to need to do. You need to stand up to your family members, sneering at you at family reunions for the next three years until you make any real money. And the why isn't going to be to make money. If that's not a good enough answer. It's not going to last for five years. At some point, you're going to make money. There's got to be something like, it matters what I'm doing. Here's why. Find something that matters to do. That's the easiest way to stick to it. Books are incredible levers to getting ahead. So don't underestimate the power of like sitting down 
and reading the best stuff that's out there. I mean, you should read uh, Maverick by Ricardo Semler. Like, losing out on the opportunity to learn from Ricardo after all that you've done in this world, it's crazy. If you try to recreate that wheel on your own with a couple of VAs in, in the Philippines, forget it, you know? So for all of my competitors that haven't read that book, I've got a leg up. I think that books have had a huge role in our ability to grow this business. And to make maybe braver decisions. Like, I knew since the moment we started the podcast it was worth doing. Because I've read books that told me that. And when my mentors wouldn't tell me that, I could find other mentors that maybe were in Brazil. that told me it was okay to do that. So for the first three years of running my own business, I used to tell everybody about my business all the time. They sort of like to hear about it, I guess. What I was doing was I was seeking permission. I wanted everybody to sign off. I wanted people to tell me it was cool that I was running a business, that they agreed, that they had some useful feedback for me. But it's really a bullshit thing to do to people, especially people like your mom, who doesn't care about business, who just cares about you, doesn't have any good feedback to give you anyway, doesn't even understand stuff in order to give you feedback. And so you're confusing her. She's reacting back with an emotional feeling towards you about maybe your safety or whatever your financial viability, your retirement plan, and then that's where you're at. That's where you're paying attention to some undeveloped idea about a retirement plan that you don't care about anyway. That was my form of permission seeking. I've just stopped doing it. I don't tell anybody anything. I don't even give advice to people who ask me back home anymore. It's no fun. And to me, it was like my number one form of permission seeking. I have a theory that it takes a thousand days to grow a business. That's a long time. That's a lot of answering the question why. That's a lot of pissed off customers. It's a lot of consulting side gigs to pay the rent. It's a lot of not going out with your buddies to drink beer. When I was 20 years old, like all the older guys used to tell me, when I was Valentine's age, they used to say, you're doing fine, man. It's just going to take you another 10 years. It was like the worst advice ever, you know? It's like the last thing I had was 10 years. But they're right. Time is a huge element that's hard to displace. A guy like Valentine might be clever enough. It took me five years to build a business that gives me what I would feel like is pretty much at this point, I can do whatever I want for the next six months. No one can tell me what to do, not even the boss. For the next two years, I can do whatever I want, next five years. Because I can drag it home for the next 100 years. But maybe for you, it would take 2.5 years, because you've got better technology, you've got a smarter brain, you work harder than me. But maybe it'll take 2.5 years for you. So I don't know. But it takes a long time. I don't know anybody who did it quick. So if you're just getting started, it's going to take a long time. Sorry. This right here is why your five hours is so critical. Because you're not going to get through a thousand days going bullshit. I've never met anybody. When you're ready to do it, it's too late. This is the 40,000 foot view of Parkinson's Law. If I give you a task to do in a week, it'll take a week. Entrepreneurs are excellent at time compression. One useful uh, strategy here is to elementize the tasks that you have. Most people build up things too big. Start with something small. It's a classic GTD technique to bite off a little chunk, so you know, rather than doing a giant product launch like we're working on this week, just focus on the one piece of content, whatever it is you have to put out, put that out. If you're waiting for the whole launch to be ready, it's too late. I've been mentor hopping since I was a kid, and so is Ian, actually. And what we do is like we find people that are doing what we want to be doing, and we work for them. And that's it. And this is a strategy that you've seen happen. Uh, Tim Ferriss has talked about it. Charlie Hohen has an amazing video about this. You search for Charlie Hohen online. You got to focus. You got to double down. Like when you find somebody you can't fuck about. It's like that's your guy. 
And for me, that, that was like, you know, I had a philosophical mentor, I had two business mentors, and it's like, that's it, like one guy. So it can't be an asshole, you have to share values, and you have to be willing to lay it all on the table. And then eventually, so, eventually you'll, you'll change your exit velocity, which is, you know, starting from scratch and starting from scratch. But when you have a mentor, and you exit from that, it's not going to be hard to get 100 grand in funding if you want it, or whatever it is you want to do. It doesn't come because you have a clever idea. It comes because you have blood in the game. Like, this was anything. I was reading uh, Hemingway this morning, and he says, uh, writing is really easy. You just need to show up at the, show up at the typewriter and believe. It's the same thing with the mentor. You're not going to get a mentor from asking them clever questions. You're going to fucking crush it for that mentor. It's another uh, illustration of the dichotomy between, like, uh, long ball thinking and short-term thinking. I get people sending me emails all the time, like, asking me three or five questions. Like, it's nice to meet you. Here's five questions for you. The last two, um, like, significant business relationships we had, which were mentorship situations, you know, we separate ourselves by never asking for anything for years. And that's, again, like, why you have to have that long view and, like, why you have to be careful of who you choose. Because, again, it's going to take time. My second to last mentor said to me, when I was explaining the trip to Vietnam, he wasn't 100% support in it, but he was going to be behind something if we could pull together a business plan. And he said, you know, you're, you're really going to hurt your career by doing this. You know, and I thought, so, that's the point. Thank you. For the Hey everybody, thanks for listening. Don't be shy, we've got a mailing list. Check it out at tropicalmba.com. Get yourself signed up and we'll keep you up to date on everything we do, plus give you those 50 free podcast episodes. If you want to say hey, check me out on Twitter at TropicalMBA. We'll see you soon.